this episode of Adventures in Being Gifted. Where's that owner's manual for my identified gifted child? Well, we know there's no manual. But my advice is first, let the child be a child first. Let's just let them play, have fun. Gifted does not mean being better than anyone else. And you know, the gift in giftedness means the potential. That and a whole lot more coming up. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Adventures in Being Gifted podcast. I'm Jill Hartsock. And I'm Jessica Mullen. And we're two experienced gifted teachers and your hosts. This podcast is a place for parents, educators, and students living the gifted adventure to hear stories, practical tips, deep dive into relevant topics related to being gifted. So come along for another Adventures in Being Gifted episode. Right, Jessica, today we have the Jan Willig. The and best. I, yes. I absolutely love learning and listening to Jan. I feel like she could keep teaching me all day long. Yes. She is she great. Knows gifted inside and out. <laughs> she really does. She lays out in this episode the criteria for identification in Ohio, which is fabulous, especially if you are a listener as a teacher and you are getting your HQPD hours. This will be a great episode to get that knowledge. If you're a parent, this will be very informational for you. So it's exciting. It's entertaining. It is educational. And she is just so well-spoken. She is. And she talks about so many of those key terms that are so important, like asynchronous development and overexcitabilities, which are, you know, critical to knowing your gifted student. Mm -hmm. Those are really the two main essential aspects of being gifted. And once you understand those two terms, then a lot of the picture comes together, um, whether you're a teacher or a parent, learning about what it means to have a gifted child or... In other episodes, we've talked about being a grown-up gifted person, so maybe you'll find some of the characteristics, things that you also possess. Yes, for sure. I could make some connections. <laughs> um, and it's also interesting that a lot of people make the assumption that get, students are gifted in all areas where mm. that's really mostly not the case. So in our district, we only service students who are identified gifted in cognitive abilities, um, but we identify students a lot in reading and math. And even if they're identified in reading and math as gifted, that doesn't mean that they're being pulled for services in our district because they, we only pull for cognitive. Mm -hmm. So, so the classroom teacher is the teacher of record if they are identified just with the specific academic math or reading ability level. Yep. So it's interesting because all districts service differently. Yes. And in Ohio, um, it's only law that you identify students as being gifted, but not service. So every district does it a little different. It's always fun to talk to others and how to see how they do it in their district. Absolutely. Absolutely. So listen up to Jan giving us all this great information. Today, we have a very special guest, my mentor and colleague, Janet Willig. 
Jan retired from being a full-time gifted intervention specialist in 2016, but continues to teach gifted courses at Xavier University as an adjunct professor and is a part-time gifted intervention specialist in the Dayton, Kentucky Public Schools, where she specializes in extending the curriculum using junior grade books. I personally have learned so much from Jan over the 20 years that I've worked with her, and she continues to motivate and inspire me. So today, Jan, it is such an honor to have you here with us. Well, thank you, Jill. I really appreciate the invitation to be a part of this exciting endeavor that you've created as you focus on the wonderful individuals, students, and yes, adults that we call and identify as gifted. And I'm so happy to be here with you, Jill and Jessica. Hi, Jan. We are so excited to have your (laughs) expertise and experience with us today. All right, so Jan, we're going to dive right in, and we're going to let everybody know that you were actually a physical education major in college. You were also a state champion tennis (laughs) player, which people may not know when they first meet you, but how did you go from being in that field, in that major, and Mm -hmm. then switching into gifted and working at Xavier for the past 22 years? Tell us your story. Okay. Okay. Well, I began uh, my Xavier adjunct position in 1999, but prior to that position on faculty, Xavier was so wonderful in helping and advising me in completing my grad work. And in Kentucky, we also have that above 30 hours called the rank one, and I did that in my gifted and talented studies above my master's degree. See, you see, I needed this personal attention from Xavier to accept a teaching position in the Campbell County area in Kentucky, northern Kentucky, and that was something that was outside of my physical education undergrad work, and Xavier helped me make it happen. Uh, There was a lot of courseworks that I had to make up um, and complete, but then I began teaching gifted and talented identified students in Fort Thomas schools and it was an all-day pull-out program, and that was back in 1988. Wow. Um, the field of gifted education has evolved in the United States. And interesting enough, and enough, mainly in response to the changing needs of our country. And it really kind of all started back in the late 1950s when the Soviet Union launched that Sputnik up into space, and the the United States finally woke up, and they gave attention to the needs of those bright children and students that we have in our country. Um, And what I love about Ohio is that it is so rich in the area of gifted education. Actually, it's home of the first gifted education program in the country in Cleveland, and Ohio has served as as a model for other states throughout the years. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting. I didn't know that fact. Um, So we have had the pleasure of featuring Jan as our keynote speaker for the parents of our gifted students um, and understanding so they can understand their gifted child. So you have such a great way of explaining the heart and soul of what makes a person gifted. Will you start us off by talking about some of the common characteristics of giftedness? Oh, sure, Jess. Um, 
My explanation, though, is just going to be a gentle beginning guide to the many characteristics of the gifted population, and knowing that it is just a starting point to assessing information and expert resources, and that's expert resources like both of you, Jess and Jill, really, parents need to take advantage of what you have to offer. Um, In Ohio, we identify gifted in four areas. First is the general intellectual ability, and that's the student's ability to recall, think, reason abstractly, high-level vocabulary, persistent curiosity, someone who learns quickly, has an excellent memory, and very often, and you all know this, prefers older companionships, older friends. One characteristic, though, that I do like to share with parents is that GT students have a deep sense of justice, right and wrong, morals, and they even sometimes will correct their friends when they are wrong. And this kind of is a disadvantage when they want to make friends, but yet they're trying to uh, correct their behavior. After we have the um, intellectual ability area, next is the area of giftedness in a specific academic aptitude. This could be like language arts, math, science, with a wealth of knowledge in any particular subject or skill. I currently have a student that is adept in the area of social studies, and you think gifted in social studies? (laughs) Well, he can relate events in history to principles, and he can grasp and make valid generalizations, which is really very higher-level thinking. After we have the academic and the intellectual, the third area is the interesting one that I really enjoy working with, and that's the identification with the creative and productive thinking. This is the ability to produce new ideas, to think fluently and with flexibility and originality, all with such elaboration. The creative student loves to take risks, likes to play with ideas, has a positive self-image, and loves to submerge themselves in a task. But it has to be a task that they like, not just any task, but one that interests the individual student. That is really important. And then the fourth and final identification in Ohio is visual and performing arts. These are the gifted students with talent in uh, visual arts, music, dance, drama. All of those fit into this category. And generally, when recommending gifted services in the visual and performing arts, we look for characteristics that show special talent in expression, set high standards for themselves, and display extreme passion in the area of the arts. Jess, there are two other areas of identification, as you know, for gifted students that are recognized by the federal definition. Quickly, it's leadership and psychomotor ability. We know a lot about leadership, and we can kind of understand and know that the characteristics for leadership, but that's psychomotor ability. That is in the movement and coordination of the body with the involvement of the mind and is measured by accuracy or speed. This is the domain that um, characteristics are evident in specialized individuals. Think about your um, mechanics. Think about an athlete catching that ball just right in the right place at the right time with that glove. And think about a surgeon in surgery just being able to use those fingers to um, to make that 
person well again. I mean, we all really do want to gift a car mechanic, right? I would suggest that many resources that are available out there that can be used to um, look for some of the characteristics, but I am going to recommend one resource for parents that would that would be the NAGC website, National Association for Gifted Children. And that would lead parents to numerous resources from there for credible information about gifted and talented traits and characteristics. They have a great website, NAGC. That's a great foundation, Jan. We so appreciate hearing what um, areas gifted kids are identified in, especially in Ohio. So as we continue to go deeper into our understanding of what giftedness uh, actually means and breaking it down for teachers and parents and even students themselves, um, we use terms, two main terms. One is the asynchronous development and the other is overexcitabilities. Um, for those of you who listened to episode one with the school counselor, Michelle Crew, she did mention these terms, which are probably the two most important aspects in giftedness. So Jan, will you walk us through these terms and what they mean? Sure. I did listen to Michelle's episode, and as she has heard me say, even to her, the counselor is such an important piece of the gifted student's development and social-emotional well-being. The counselor is so important. And as Michelle explained, asynchronous development means simply out of sync. Asynchronous out of sync, uneven development. That is when a student um, develops cognitively at a much faster pace than they develop physically and emotionally or even socially. Although their bodies and their emotions may be in sync with their age peers, academically, gifted students' minds function at a higher level. The student may be many ages at one time, and this is difficult for anyone. The child may be eight chronologically as he rides his bike in the neighborhood, 12 maybe when playing a game of chess, and 15 when he's doing his accelerated advanced math homework. It's the whiz kid who has trouble with fine motor skills and gets exhausted after having to write out spelling words 10 times, but can do awesome in in math. You know, our society values and cheers on the accomplishments of gifted students, gifted children, gifted adults, but however, it is hard to believe that we cannot even understand with that fact that the same student reacts and cries emotionally, maybe at the thought of seeing something about war on the news on on the screen somewhere. So it's just that uneven development that is so hard to watch. And this is where the Michelle Cruz of a school need to assist the parents with strategies. Open discussion is the best route to take with gifted kids. The gifted guru that I would like to kind of just share with you, like I did with the NAGC and characteristics, the expert that I would like to recommend to our audience today and to the parents is Dr. James Webb. Most of his career, again, was in Ohio, accomplished. He did this at Wright State University. And finally, um, you ask about intensities. Yes, overexcitabilities, OE. There's even a new word out there called superstimulativities. Mm-hmm. 
This is that innate, inborn, heightened emotions, responses to stimuli that are so intense, and the extreme sensitivities that are different from the norms. It means that in the five types or areas of intensities or overexcitabilities, a person reacts more strongly than normal for a longer period than the normal to a stimulus that is just maybe very, very small. Overexcitabilities involve not only psychological factors, but it really is part of our central nervous system. It's part of our body. It really is. It's real. Of those um, areas, the first one is, again, we're going to talk about psychomotor again, and you've We've talked a little bit about that, but knowing that the individual in this area of intensities is the individual that needs lots of movement, athletic ability, has trouble smoothing out the mind's activities for when it's time to go to sleep, has trouble sleeping, has tons of physical energy, fast talking, lots of gestures, and sometimes even maybe a nervous tick. Yeah, this is psychomotor area. The next area is the sensual OE, overexcitabilities. And that's that one that I know you all have heard and you all have probably had to react to when the parent says, you know, my child wants the labels cut out of the sh- his shirt and on demand. This is the child that limps as if he has a broken leg or she has a broken leg when the seam in the sock is all twisted up. Just hates to extreme, bad smells, bright lights, loud sounds. It's just the end of the world when those things happen. And all of this is in that sensual OE. It's all about the senses. But it is also that child who is awed by a song, a picture, one who has ascetic awareness. The third is that imaginational intensity. These are those daydreamers, the space cadets, the strong visual thinkers, These imaginationalists vividly remember every dream, often react to their dreams. They believe in magic, and they hold on to all those childhood beliefs beyond the age of their peers. And then the last two, intellectual and emotional, and obviously intellectual overexcitability, is the unusual It's the usual definition of giftedness, what we've been talking about. These are the children and adults who love and enjoy logic problems, brain teasers, complex reasoning, puzzles, figuring things out. They love mysteries. These are the Dungeons and Dragons kids. A total love for academics and any kind of new information. And then the final one, which is so very important, is the Emotional OE, over ex- exceptionalities. This is um, the, the student that drives and the part of it that it drives all the others. You know, emotional is believed to be the central intensity, the energy center from the, which the entire constellation of overexcitabilities is generated. So it's really important to understand this emotional OE. This is when being happier, when you're supposed to just be happy, being sadder when sad, angrier when angry. There's a need for deep connections with people and animals. You've seen this. I know you both have seen this. If this individual can't find a friend, they invent imaginary friends. They maybe even make do with their own pets 
or they carry stuffed animals to substitute. So in closing, it is important to understand that highly gifted individuals tend to have all five intensities, but they will lead with a different OE. These five areas describe the unusual intensities of gifted as well as the many ways in which they look and sometimes they behave oddly when compared to the norm. Now, my go-to expert for intensities is Dr. Jim Delisle. And yes, he's also from Ohio. For many years, he's the professor in the education department at Kent State University. Dr. Jim Delisle. Thank you, Jan. That is so interesting. Those five intensities, I can see them both in my own children, that's for sure. <laughs> um, with all of your years of experience in gifted education, um, is there one thing that you'd tell parents of gifted students or the students themselves about the adventure and being gifted? What would your one thing you'd tell them be? Yes. Um, and how many times have we been asked, you all too, Jill and Jess, Where's that owner's manual for my identified gifted child? Well, we know there's no manual, just wonderful resources, experts, groups, and organizations that you can contact, blog, join, read the current information and numerous articles about gifted and talented children, and yes, gifted and gifted adults. But my advice is first, let the child be a child first. Let's just let them play, have fun. Gifted does not mean being better than anyone else. It is not about competition. It is not about comparison between the child and others. And you know, the gift in giftedness means the potential. So the gift is the potential that the child has. Parents must be aware of the personal interest that their child has. Then develop that potential that is already there and then assist in developing those talents and abilities. And finally, parents need to instill in their child that when facing obstacles and roadblocks, and yes, they will hit the wall. It may be not until they go off to um, college or, or grad school or high school and taking some coursework or just meeting friends. But when they do face some obstacles and roadblocks, the gifted individual needs to ask for help understand and realize that they are not alone, that there are others out there just like them. They just need to seek them out. Wow. That is such a great foundational understanding of what asynchronous development and overexcitabilities is. So Jan, I'm going to throw a curveball question out at you. Okay. So what is the flip side of asynchronous development? What would be the piece that we don't always talk about, the tough stuff from parents where how do you handle outbursts or how do you handle when your child is extremely strong, particularly mm -hmm. most likely in the intellect, but yet maybe socially not so much? How do you go about, you know, just handling that? Yeah, that's, that is a tough one. And again, using resources like you all have been talking about and like we talked about today, you know, finding out what, what can be done. But it's just so important to get someone that is um, an expert in there to, to make sure that, that you have someone as a parent to talk to. Uh, 
And I do think that students just and children need to just go off. They just need to go off and kind of handle their own being and then come back around and just know that um, it's all going to be okay. It's hard. It's hard to be a parent of a gifted child. And um, that's why you're doing what you all are doing today with the with this wonderful um, offering. And um, just I pray, pray and hope that you will continue to do this because I know that um, it's going to help a lot of parents. So That's continue so doing what you're doing. Well, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Jan. We so appreciate you being here. We could talk to you for days <laughs> and keep gleaning from your wisdom and your knowledge about these really intense conversations yeah. and just really unpacking what it means to be gifted. Well, I thank you both for the opportunity to share. All right, Jan was so amazing, Jessica. So much great information. Yeah, I think this is going to be really helpful for parents and for teachers, Um, even grown-up gifted kids. I think we'll find this very interesting and informative. I actually shared this episode with a friend of mine in Florida, and she grew up um, being identified gifted, going through her gifted program, graduating from high school in the 90s, and then never, ever realizing what the gifted characteristics were. So she listened to Jan's section and was shocked what she had learned about herself and what it truly means to be gifted. Yeah. And so if you have a child or a student out there that's been identified gifted, it's so important for the student or the child to understand what that means. Um, Jan gave us some fantastic resources that you can use to help you with that. It's amazing what a difference it'll make in a child if they understand what it means to be gifted instead of just having this label. Right. Absolutely. And I agree that what Michelle told us in episode one about doing things alongside your child, this might be a great opportunity to learn together, use those resources that Jan um, talks about, and we will we will put in the notes. But I think it would be a great opportunity to kind of go alongside your own child and you know, list off those characteristics and and talk about those characteristics. Yeah. It's important to know who you are. All right. So listeners, our charge for you today is to go ahead and check out some of these resources that uh, Jan shared with us and see what else you can find as far as really good sound resources out there for what life is like being a gifted kid. Welcome to the segment Student Voices, where we are passing them the mic to share about their gifted adventures. Hi, my name is Lindy Radishevsky, and I am in grade nine. One cool thing about me is I can actually wiggle my ears, which is pretty interesting. What I'm going to talk about today is something that I would tell my younger self, like a tip for, let's say, second grade, third grade me. My tip would be that to not be afraid to step up and be a leader because that's something that can carry on from you and then 
your peers and classmates can also take on and see what you're doing and carry it on for themselves and do it themselves. I found myself in a much better place when I decided to start being myself, stepping up and being a leader within the classroom and my community. Like, plus, it's not as fun just sitting in the back of the classroom waiting for people to answer for yourself. And that way you're not learning anything and you're just sitting there just daydreaming, not even paying attention. Like, I realized that I shouldn't have to be afraid to raise my hand or get an answer wrong because there is no particularly wrong answer. It's just something you can learn from. Like, let's say for math class, if you're in math and maybe your answer is the incorrect answer, your teacher can then explain to you why it's the wrong answer and then tell you what the right answer is or the right way to solve it. So then you don't continue doing your mistakes. And then your other peers can learn from what you did wrong or incorrectly, and then they can feel the confidence and need to be able to answer the question for themselves and not be afraid to get those answer wrongs because then you can learn from those too. You're always learning. Learning never stops. And so like the leadership, being more confident to answer in class and making new friends and being very social has helped me a lot. So this year I am going to a new high school. I came from a public school And this high school, this private high school, is an all-girls high school. And so this high school is about service and making really strong bonds is one of the things that I found that I really loved about this. And so that kind of relates to the leadership, being able to step up, do service for your community, and also being social and making a lot of new friends. So converting from a public school to an all-girls school is has been very interesting. I'm really, really excited to just continue my year and go on. And it's just like, it's very welcoming. That's one of the things that I loved about it so much was it was so welcoming. There were smiles everywhere and it was just so many friendly, friendly faces. And I just felt at home almost. It's been a pretty wild ride and it's been a lot of fun though. It's been so much fun. Pretty much that's it. Giving my advice to my younger self to not be afraid to step up and be a leader has also given me the confidence to make the decision I made on going from an all-girls, like a public school to an all-girls school. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope my tip for my younger self actually helped you guys too. for listening to another Adventures in Being Gifted episode. Make sure that you subscribe and review us wherever you listen to your podcast so you don't miss an episode. Join us again next time for more Adventures in Being Gifted.